Welcome to episode 94 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who threatened to beat up an athlete from Spring Arbor University, mm-hmm. John Scott Sloat. How you doing, Doc? I'm doing well. I, I want to follow up on this uh, this uh, how shall we put it this, this sort of protective um, uh, fondness for one of my sons here. In terms, well, of- your son was viciously attacked <laughs> by an individual from Spring Arbor. Yes, that's true. Um, and so, and so, I I saw him at church with a with a bum ankle. Yeah, and I asked him like, who did this to you, and where are they from? Yeah, you know, and offered yes. to yes. rectify the situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Bring I, some justice. Yes, and and by attacked my son, what we really mean is beat him off the dribble, and then when my son attempted to block his shot. My son landed on his foot under the basket. Yeah, that's intentional. <laughs> Indeed. So yes, his uh, he is in a walking boot now for four weeks and crutches for the first two of that. Managed to damage all three of the ligaments in his ankle. So no 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 ligament left behind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that that's painful. Yes. And yeah. uh, he's on the mend, right? He is. I mean, he's you know he's. In the boot, he's icing, all that sort of stuff. So. Okay. So yes, um, continuing. Uh, well, actually, before we get to the world of sports, uh, we should probably remind listeners if they'd like to connect with us, they can find us in a variety of different ways. You can find us on Twitter at V and S Pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail Find us on Facebook and on YouTube. Just look for Various and Sundry Podcasts. That's where you'll find us. And uh, we had no new reviews this past week. By the way, how is the Facebook page doing? Um, it, it has its moments. Um, OK. I, I think when, when I actually pay attention to it. It does and, a little bit better? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So – that's 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 on me. I mean, since you're no longer on Facebook, your account no. got hacked and you got locked out, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, I've made very very little attempt to get back on. Yeah. So it's it's okay. been bliss, truthfully. Okay. And I thank the hackers. Are you still on Insta? Nope. Nope. Okay. So Twitter is your only social media, unless you're a secret TikTok guy. Right? I'm not a TikTok guy. <laughs> um, I guess I'm technically on LinkedIn. I don't know if that. I wouldn't counts. call that social media. Um, but Twitter, not on Yik Yak. Um, yeah, I think it's just. Uh, okay. I think it's just Twitter. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk the world of sports, John. So let's uh, let's. It's sort of a weird weekend. Yeah. Because neither of our teams played. Yeah. Yeah. Neither neither played, and yeah. so we we don't have anything to get really passionate about. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, let's start with the NFL. The um, when we recorded last week, we were just on the front end of the John Gruden email scandal. Did, did we mention it on air? I feel we like did we did mention it, yes, just briefly. That, uh, but I he had not yet resigned slash been fired because not all of the contents of the emails had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time we recorded, it was sort of a a developing story. 
And by the time the podcast episode dropped, it was a it was all, a big story, a, a fully developed story that um, enough to get and uh, enough to get the cold open of Saturday Night Live was about oh, really? John Gruden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which yeah. tells you it it's made it. It's arrived. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of off the field, but um, on the field, as we said, the Jets had a bye this this weekend. Um, the Jaguars got their first win. Yeah. Had to travel to London to get it. Yeah. But found it ironic that you had two teams from the state of Florida playing in London. Yep. Um, but Urban Meyer gets his first win as a professional coach. Um, he's been taking a lot of heat. In the oh yeah. He's as well. got his own mess to deal with off the field. So, um, the Browns lost yesterday. Uh, pretty handily to the Arizona Cardinals. And from what I understand, Baker Mayfield was also hurt in that game. Got maybe re-injured his shoulder mm. in that. So did you watch much NFL yesterday? Um, I watched a little bit. I watched the most of the 4 o'clock. Um, I had to mow in the midst of that as well because my I had fertilized the yard. Mm. I had put down – I had top-dressed the yard <laughs> and fertilized it. And so it was growing like crazy. And so it was – it was too long. It was probably my grass was probably six to seven inches tall. Okay, and had to, I had to get it done. So we're talking um, some U.S. Open level rough. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> when the rest of the neighborhood is probably in Augusta Fairway uh, sort of level. So um, I had to do that yesterday when it okay. was nice out. Um, and yeah. so uh, I watched. Uh, I watched a good bit of Bears Packers. Did okay. you watch that? I did. Uh, did you hear Aaron Rodgers in the end zone? Uh, I did, yes. I'll clean up the dialogue a bit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I believe it went, I own you, I still own you, as he's yelling at the fans yes. after he scores a touchdown. Yes. Which is like the most petty thing I think I've I've heard yeah. in sports in a while. Yeah. And also it's the so – we're, so taunting is allowed apparently towards the fans. Oh, but not, not the players. But not towards players. So, you know uh, – you probably saw some of the ridiculous taunting penalties that were handed out. I mean, in these first – I know the NFL is making a big emphasis on this. Sure. But some of these just look like that's taunting? Yeah. Really? Like uh, – and again, I'm not a big like I, – I'm not a, a, a major advocate of of the uh, um, trash talk. Like I – you know, but still. I mean sure. these are grown men and, you know, it's just like come on. Give me a break here, people. Let's you know, let's let's not be ridiculous. I guess yeah. is is what I'm looking for there. Um, any other things from the NFL weekend that that caught your attention? I I don't think so. I okay. I caught a good game between Dallas and the Patriots. Um, yeah, the Patriots surprisingly good. I don't yeah. know why I'm surprised, but well, they they got you know um, the evil. You know the the emperor, basically. You know the the evil emperor, Bill Belichick. You know, yeah. Mister Hoodie himself, so. the self fashioned god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the college gridiron, the Buckeyes had a bye, and um, it was a more relaxing Saturday than than normal as a result of that. There weren't uh, probably the biggest game of the weekend was uh, Georgia beating Kentucky. Um, Condolences to Will in Indiana. He's a big Kentucky fan. Uh, but the the biggest uh, upset of the weekend was number two Iowa losing at home to Purdue. 
yeah. by 17. Yeah, not good. And I don't even know if the game was that close. I watched most of that, and Purdue dominated that game. And Iowa, what, what Iowa was Iowa ranked? They were top two. 10, too. Yeah. Yeah. So they dropped to, I think, 11th as a result of that. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the rest of the college football season looks like. It looks like we've already got um, – it could be one of those years where you're going to have like six or seven one-loss teams. Yeah. And then what do you do to put four in? There'll be all sorts of controversy over that. Well, isn't the argument now to go to eight or 12 even? Um, well, yes. But all of that – like basically from what I understand, the, 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 the committee that oversees making this decision was basically ready to recommend a 12-team playoff. Okay, But then all of this conference realignment started to kick into gear. Like Oklahoma and Texas decided to join the SEC. And then, you know, the, so the Big 12 starting to fall apart. Sure. And in response, I think some of the other commissioners were like, we will not support a 12-team playoff because what they feared was, well, there are going to be six SEC teams in this. Like this is ridiculous. So we're not going to reward – Teams like Texas and Oklahoma jumping and, and creating this SEC monster conference of like, you know, eventually maybe like twenty teams. So the way to part of the way to stop it is to say, no, we won't approve any changes to it. And so mm. you're going to have to win the SEC or maybe get two teams out of four. But we're not going to a situation where you're going to get five or six teams out of twelve. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how that develops um, moving forward. But. Uh, Baseball playoffs are underway. We're down to the league championship series. I I had to actually look up who's playing in that Astros and Red Sox on the AL side and Braves Dodgers. I had no idea the Braves were that good when we watched them back in June. Did you? Were were they? Uh, No. No, they were not. Um, So they were below 500 for three quarters of the season and then just really turned it on in the last quarter. Okay. Um, Made some good trade deadline sort of moves and – Put themselves in a position to to win a bunch of games in a row and okay. did it and yeah yeah um, I'll, I'll I'll say this in the playoffs there are no good guys left <laughs> like like everybody in the playoffs right now is just kind of pure evil okay uh, from the Mets fan perspective oh, okay, okay. Maybe, okay maybe there are some other people out there that feel differently uh, Dodgers no good <laughs> no good okay um, Braves no good. Yeah, they they won the division like thirty five years in a row or something like that. <laughs> right. Uh, Red Sox and Astros, scum of the earth. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, these are two teams that both got in trouble for cheating in the last five years. Yeah, and here they are getting ready to go to the World Series. Wow. See, now we're getting salty sloat. S- scum of the earth, Astros, <laughs> Red Sox. Okay. All right. All right. And somehow the Mets get pulled into that and lose a manager out of out of anyway. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, before we move on from the world of sports, we should probably – I mean the NBA season is about to tip off here. Yeah. Uh, you want to give us some hopes and dreams for your beloved New York Knickerbockers? Um, I'd like to see us make the playoffs again and get out of the first round. Okay. They were the four last year? They were the four last year. Lost to Atlanta. Atlanta who got hot. Um, And made it to the uh, conference finals. That's right. Um, So I think I would like to see them get into the playoffs and and win uh, a series. Okay. I think that'd be 
That'd be a good step. They've added Kemba,、uh, that I'm pretty excited about.、Um, that'll give them another scoring option off of Randall. So okay, they need that. Yeah, yeah,、uh, and apparently they're going to shoot more this year.、Uh, so apparently they were in the bottom third of attempted three pointers. Okay, and Thibodeau wants them in the top ten teams. In and do they have the shooters? Well, Kemba skilled enough to do that. Kemba can shoot. Randall can shoot. Uh, um, who's the Who's the other guy that they got? They got that French kid,、uh, Evan Fournier. Fournier. I think Fournier can shoot.、Um, so there's there's hope out there. Okay. All right.、Um, I'm fascinated to see what happens in in, in this year. In the sense of, you've got the、um, you got the Lakers in the West who have. Created a great team for 2014, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure about 2021. Doesn't that seem to be like 80% of the teams LeBron's on? Like, like man, this would have been a great team like five, six years ago. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how whether that team can survive. I mean, guys that old, it feels volatile, doesn't it? Incredibly injury prone. Are they going to have? Yeah,、uh, we'll we'll see what that looks like. And then in the East.、Um, My apologies to if we have any Milwaukee Bucks fans in the audience, but let's be honest: you would not have won the NBA title last year if the Nets had been had had one more healthy guy of their top three.、Mm-hmm. If they'd either had James Harden or Kyrie Irving in addition to KD, they would not have won the NBA. Can, title. can we talk about Kyrie Irving real quick? Yeah. What are your thoughts on him, just as a human being?、Um, He's fascinating, <laughs>、um, because he—I'll I'll give him credit. He's obviously a thoughtful person in the sense of things matter to him outside of basketball. Sure, he is. Yeah, he, that, he has a social、fair. consciousness, right? Regardless of whether you agree with him on his on on his choice of issues or not.、Okay? Yeah. What what I'm fascinated by is how. The media is trying to handle his vaccine refusal because when when his social issue was how African Americans were treated in our country,、mm-hmm. they were all in. This is great. We love it when athletes take bold stands. We love it when athletes have a social consciousness. Sure. But now you have him taking a stand on an issue that is against the grain when it comes to. Popular media, okay, and it doesn't seem like they know how to handle it. In terms of what,、uh, what my point is, where are the are, are the are the are the is the praise coming from? Of like, oh, this is great. We have an athlete who is standing up for his convictions, and and to me, it's just highlighting again the the media wants athletes to take bold social stands as long as they fall within、sure. a certain span of issues or certain positions on issues. Sure. Not just you know. So you're you're encouraged to take a bold stand as long as it's within the acceptable range of options. Well, don't forget about his first bold social stand. Yeah, the whole flat Earth thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which does he still hold on? I、to? don't think he does. Okay.、Yeah. He's he's learned then. I, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not trying to, and, and just to be clear, I'm not anti-vax. Okay, <laughs> so、um, I, I am, I am pro freedom of 
choice when it comes to whether you get the vaccine or not. Well, the New York Times was knocking on the door out here. I know. For you. Hey, yeah. I know. You know, so um, I'm anti-mandate. So I, I, it's just fascinating for me to see. I'll give Kyrie credit that he is he is willing to put pretty significant sums of money on the line to stand where he stands on mm -hmm. some of these issues. Hmm. So I'll give him credit for that. So that's my thoughts on Kyrie Irving. I was more approaching it from like, that. will he get signed anywhere? You know, he, he seems to just sort of like every season there seems to be a different issue with Kyrie. I think he's still good enough where he can get away with it. OK. He's, he's you know, if a, if a basketball player is good enough, they can get you away put with, up with you a lot. You put up with a lot to get what he does on the floor. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what how that develops this year. But um, I, I don't tend to pay, pay attention to the NBA until I get to – Late December, early January. Yeah, I check scores. Like I want, I want to see like, okay, did Randall have a good night? You know, mm -hmm. so I check scores, but, but that's that's about it. The Knicks are on national TV though Thursday night, so probably TNT. Uh, I think ESPN. No, oh. I think. Okay. I, um, don't forget, hockey started this last week yeah. as well. Yeah, I don't follow that at all. Any but. any breakdown for us? <laughs> <laughs> I have no ability to break down hockey. Okay, so the the Blue Jackets, they they. I have no opinion uh, about the Blue Jackets, though. I love the the Seattle team's nickname, the Kraken. The Kraken. I think that's a fabulous nickname. Mm -hmm. I love that. One one thing I do like about hockey is like you could get a scrappy bunch of guys together that they're well coached, and if things break the right way, yeah, they can. Like uh, I think a good example is the uh, Vegas Knights from a few years ago, the Golden Knights mm -hmm. expansion team, got a good goaltender who yeah. got hot, ran all the way to the finals and lost it, I think, f five or six games. Um, I don't think you could have any other sport where that happens, where you have an expansion team make it all the way to the, uh, to the finals in their first year. Yeah, that's probably right. That's probably right. So that's one thing I appreciate about hockey. Okay, and they're they're fun to go to. Hockey games are fun to. Attend. I have yes, I do enjoy live hockey in the arena. Yeah, yeah. So. I know you're trying to move us on to the next topic, but I keep I keep going about uh, other other stuff. But, that's but right. Proceed well, with your transition. Yeah, we do need to. to uh, <laughs> speaking of the use of talent, yeah, <laughs> we are talking today about the parable of the talents. Nice. So we're continuing our series on the parables. So uh, let's go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And um, the uh, – yeah, well, let's go ahead and read it first. Let's okay. read it okay. and then um, we'll talk about the context and then kind of dive in. You want, you, you want me to give it a read? I would love for you to, okay. to, to read that, yes. Uh, for it will be like a man uh, going on a journey. Who called his servants and entrusted them uh, to his property? Uh, to one he gave five talents, to the other two, to the other one, to each according to his ability. Uh, then he went away. Uh, he who had received five talents uh, went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. Uh, so also had uh, the, the two talents made two more talents, but the one who had received one talent went and dug, it, uh, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came 
and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five uh, came forward, bringing five uh, talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made you five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Uh, Enter into the joy of your master. And uh, And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, You delivered to me uh, two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, uh, who had received one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping uh, where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter no seed. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. That was real bad. Um, and ga- <laughs> gathering where you scattered no seed. There we go. Uh, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Uh, here you have what is yours. Uh, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Uh, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather uh, where I scatter no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received uh, what was uh, my own with interest. So take the talent from him. uh, So the talent from him, boy, so take the talent from him and give it to him uh, who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has... uh, Boy, I'm really screwing up the words. Uh, for to everyone who has who has will, more be given, and he will have an abundance. Uh, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he casts the worthless service servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. Struggled there. Yeah, what's well, Monday? It's Monday, yeah. yeah. And it's still fall break. It is still fall break here. That's right. That's right. So well, let's talk a little bit about the context uh, of this parable. This uh, parable in Matthew 25 is part of uh, what sometimes is referred to as the Olivet Discourse or the Eschatological Discourse because uh, – if you look at where Jesus is giving this, it is part of – so this is during the last week of his uh, life before he is crucified. And the disciples are remarking about the temple in chapter 24 and Jesus says, yeah, if you think that's great, I'm telling you, it's all going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then you get Jesus explaining that in the rest of 24 – And then uh, continuing on into chapter 25, you've got the parable of the ten virgins and then the parable of the talents here. The parable after this is going to be the – essentially the parable of the sheep and the goats. Hmm. So all of these are set in the context of Jesus' teaching about uh, the end times. And one of the recurring motifs in this section is – this idea that no one knows the hour when the Son of Man will come back. So that's kind of a repeated expression that shows up throughout this 
um, context. Let me give one more piece. Let me give a piece of uh, sort of historical and cultural context. The word talent. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. So when we see that, we tend to think of, oh, a talent refers to an ability that someone has, yeah. a skill, uh, a gifting, right? But uh, that that's not what this refers to. A talent is, in this context, a, a sum of money, a weight of money. And it's actually a large amount. A talent was uh, – depending on local measure, uh, anywhere between 60 and 90 pounds. Pounds? Pounds of, say, gold or silver. So just to give some context here, ballparking this, the servant who was given five talents, that probably equaled around 20 years worth of income for an average laborer. 20 years. So we're dealing with a fairly wealthy dude here. Yes. Okay. Yes. So massive sums of money that the the master is entrusting to these servants. Now, I will say that uh, this is part of how we get eventually how the word talent does come to to, – mean what we use it today as, mm-hmm. as a sort of an ability, uh, a skill, a gifting. So it does it does have its – in some ways its origins in this parable. But that's a later development in terms of how the language was used. Interesting. So, so just to be clear, I think that's a – that's a – as we'll talk about, that's a faithful application mm-hmm. of the text. But it wouldn't have been understood that way in terms of its meaning. Sure. To Jesus' original audience. So when this guy's burying a single talent, a that that's no small task. Yeah, yeah. I mean, put it. I mean, sixty pounds of of gold or silver, or right? Whatever. Well, it sounds like four or five years worth of income. Uh, yeah. So one talent, um, if tw- if five was twenty, yeah. So like four years, four yeah. years worth of that's significant. Yeah, that's no small change. Yeah, and he's just. I mean, that's a big hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a big hole to bury. It is, yes, yes. So, I mean, at least he was uh, industrious. Yeah, well, and and that's <laughs> where I mean, I think my natural inclination reading this is like, okay, this is money, but we're talking about a few hundred bucks. You know, right. you know, I think that's mm-hmm. my natural yeah sort of sense. And so I'm like, oh, put it in the bank, probably not getting much interest. Have you seen interest rates re- recently <laughs> for savings accounts? They're not great. Yeah. Um, However, you know, four, four years worth of income yeah. that that'll get some significant it will. interest. It will. The beauties of compound interest. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything? Initial observations. Anything else that stands out to you as you kind of read through this? Um. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in in one sense, I know we're not supposed to look at it as this is a specific talent or skill or gifting. Um. But that's I, I think a natural and you said application. I think that, mm-hmm. I think that's good. Uh, but we're not all given the same thing. Like like yeah. we, we don't all begin at the same place. Uh, uh, in I, I know the the idea here is financially. Yeah. Uh, but I th- I think there can be some application to like even ministry gifting. I know we sure. we struggle with this when we come across uh, students who like see that one student in your preaching class that yep. is just incredible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's where my my brain naturally goes. Yes, yeah. Um, this uh, this is a reminder in connection with that um, that um, I, I'm probably going to step in it by saying this, but um, oh boy, God is not interested in how the the expression equity is often used in our mm-hmm. culture today. Because that usually refers to equality of outcome yeah. rather than equality of, say, opportunity mm-hmm. or things like that. And there is nothing biblically that indicates that on the outcome side of things, God is going to make sure that at the end of everything, everyone gets exactly the same mm-hmm. in every way. That's just yeah. not how it's going to work. And I think um, that, that, you know. You made me you, – you, your mention of equity made me think of that. I think, um, again, not the point of the parable, but you, your, your larger point of not everyone starts with the same level of resources. Oh, yeah. The same level of gifting, the same level of money, and, and even at some level, the same uh, amount of opportunities. Yeah. And um, that's – that's not the point of the parable. It's just sort of baked into it. It's just, well, this is the way it is. But um, what is striking is the fact that um, the master is far less concerned about the actual amount mm-hmm. produced by the servant. He's more interested in, based on what I gave you, what did you do with it? Yeah. And so he's not holding the guy who was given two talents to the same expectation in terms of productivity as the guy who started with five. He's not like, well, why didn't you make as much as the guy with five? It's, oh, I gave you two and you basically doubled it just like the guy with five doubled his. Yeah. Now, if we had – could we – in that, in that uh, line of thought, could we flip the parable on its head, right, and go – the guy with one talent doubled it and the guy with five talents buried it. Um, would we see the same result? In, in essence, the master's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. You, you knucklehead with five talents. Why did you just bury it? Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he says the same thing to the, the guy with five and the guy with two. That's right. I, I, you, you were entrusted. I forget what the exact wording is, but you were faithful. You've been faithful over a little he says that to both the guy with five and the guy with two, which mm-hmm. is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, don't you think? A little? Yeah. 20 years worth of of income? That's a little? I'd hate to see a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there, there's definitely that there. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up that, that struck me as I was reflecting on this is um, I think – each of the servants is motivated by the kind of person they think the master is. Hmm. So clearly the first two guys, the one with five and the one with two, they view the master positively and so they act accordingly. The guy with one, when he's confronted with why didn't you do anything with it, he basically says, I know you're a hard man. You you take money that you don't deserve essentially. You reap where you don't sow. And so the master's like, I will judge you according to your estimation of me. Uh-huh. 
So their perception of what kind of man the master was motivated them. And I think that's true of us in terms yeah. of as we think about the the giftings, the abilities, the resources as a stewardship, our estimation of God is what plays a large role in how we treat those resources and how we use them. If we think that, that God gave that to us because we're awesome, that he somehow exists to serve us, then that's, that's how we're going to use them for our own benefit or for our own selfish gain. But if we, if we view the master as the one who truly owns things mm -hmm. and is, a, is good in giving us these resources, then we'll act accordingly to try to multiply them. Yeah. Um, what, what do you make of um, this interesting phrase, uh, let me enter into the joy of your master? Yeah, that's a, that's a great phrase. Um, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. A uh, little, little weird to have your employer say that to you. Yeah. Right? Um, so I imagine more is going on here. Sure. I, I think um, when you look at what, what each of the first two is given as a reward, it's really twofold. The first is the master basically says, you were faithful with a little. I'm going to give you even more mm -hmm. to be a steward of. That's the first part of the reward. The second part is enter into the joy of your master. And so I think what that's telling us is that um, our reward is not just increased um, maybe responsibilities in a new creation. So that is part of it, I think. Mm -hmm. But the joy that the master has and I would say even the enjoyment of what he has is something that his servants will get to share in. That as they um, serve him, they get to enjoy who the master is, greater access, greater intimacy with him as well as the benefits of being that hmm. close to him, what what he what he himself enjoys, his servants will get to enjoy as well. So that's part of the motivation that I think even moves Jesus to 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 teach this parable is he's calling people to be faithful, but holding out in front of us, you will get to share in the very joy that God Himself has, hmm. and you know that joy goes so far beyond material blessings or, you know, those sorts of things. It's the joy shared between Father, Son, and Spirit from all eternity. We'll get to experience that. Hmm. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the ultimate reward that's, I think, held out for uh, faithfulness here. Hmm. Um, and I think, too, that uh, – these two themes come together of stewardship and eschatology that, yes, the orientation of this is on that day when we have to give an account, will we be found faithful? Um, in the meantime, then that should motivate us to live in the present, to be faithful now. Um, and, and the older I get, I, I feel like the more I am struck by how much Faithfulness is a sort of – it's a daily grind. It's a day-to-day yeah. -day decision of, yep, this is not glamorous. This is not that exciting necessarily, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful to the Lord and what he's put in front of me today. Mm -hmm. Even if that means it's responding to emails or filling out paperwork, things that I'm like, I don't enjoy this. Yeah. But it's part of my role. 
So I am called to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes we can think of faithfulness as, you know, when the big test comes in my life, will I be faithful? Yeah. Well, there's an element of that, sure, but part of the way to ensure you're going to be faithful when the big test comes is to pass the small – is to do the daily homework, just like yeah. with language, right? Like oh, yeah. we tell students, if you do the homework, if you study, you prepare, you put in the grunt work, when the exam comes, it's not as big a deal. But if you neglect all that and then try to cram before the exam, it's probably not going to work out very well for you. Yeah. I, I've started in uh, – when I work with students who are like, I'm struggling to connect with God. I'm struggling to – uh, uh, you know, you know, feel like he's present in my life and all these things. And I go, well, read your Bible every day and pray for like the next ten or twelve years, and see what happens. Yeah, you know, uh, that that's become more and more of my sort of like uh, uh, advice to them. I was like, mm, take take the next decade, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. do this one act consistently, yeah, and see where you end up. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um. You've heard me say this oftentimes at uh, at the end of the year, we have our sort of uh, celebration of graduating students and that kind of thing. And we'll get an opportunity to share kind of words of wisdom. And pretty much every year I share something. Every faculty gets to share just for a few minutes, you know, three, four, five minutes. And every year I share something along the lines of pray for fruitfulness, pursue faithfulness. Mm-hmm. You can't control fruitfulness. That's up to God. Yeah. He's the one that determines whether your efforts in ministry or just in life in general produce any noticeable fruit. But you are called to pursue faithfulness. And oftentimes, though not always, there is a correlation between faithfulness and fruitfulness. Those who are more faithful oftentimes see more fruit. That's not always the case. Sure. But oftentimes that's the case. But what God does call us is to pursue faithfulness. And this is one of those parables that reminds us of that, that uh, in the day-to-day, in the ordinary, pursue faithfulness. And um, God holds out the reward of entering into his very own joy as, uh, as, as something that should motivate us. Yeah. And, uh, and what do you make of this outer darkness, uh, place of weeping and gnashing of teeth? Yeah, I mean that's just one of several kinds of pictures that uh, that Jesus gives in the Gospels of eternal punishment in hell. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we can get into trouble sometimes if we try to force every metaphor to work at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes well, which is it? Is it sort of fiery? Well, fire produces light, and yet this talks about you know uh, darkness. How can there be fire <clears throat> and darkness? Okay. It's multiple metaphors used yes. in different contexts. Like, relax, people. It's just trying to portray the this is awful, beyond terrifying, worse than you can even imagine. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think, you know, the, the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, signs of torment, of, of uh, regret in the midst of that. So, I think that's what's going on there. Okay. So that's the parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25. We need to be moving along here, John. So it's episode 94. We need some athletes. Yeah. Do you have a mea culpa or anything? Do I? <laughs> 
Yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think not, not. Not that I even realized it. Yeah, I, I I included um, Charles Haley on the list last <laughs> week, and he actually was not number ninety three. He's number ninety four. So okay, so Charles Haley. Charles Haley. Okay, uh, Demarcus Ware. You remember Demarcus Ware? I do. Yeah, he was a lot of fun with the uh, with the Cowboys and late with the Broncos. Yep. Yeah, he was on that that final championship team with Peyton, right? That sounds right. Did he hang it up after that? Maybe somewhere in there. Uh, Cam Jordan, currently on the Saints, still. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Defensive um, end for them. Everett. I'm going to mispronounce his name. I need to learn how to pronounce it. Uh, Evan uh, Fournay. Uh, maybe Fournier. Fournier. He's French. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> and. He played with the. He, he's still in the NBA. Uh, played with the Nuggets. Played with Magic Celtics. And he is now one of your. He's New York one of the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. You, you better get to know him. I I better. Um, can you give me a little scouting report? What's his game like? I I mean, perimeter player, shooter. Okay. Um. Yeah, he's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how you know how he meshes with your Knicks. I, he's one of those guys that I. My sense is that. Um. He's kind of a roll of the dice when it comes to some games. He's one of the best players on yeah. the floor. In other games, he just kind of disappears. Okay. But the fact that he wore number 94 with the uh, Celtics gets him on our list today. Yeah. What a, what an odd basketball number. Yeah. 94. Yeah. And then for Ohio State, Mike Vrabel. Vrabel. Yes. So he wore number 94 at Ohio State as a defensive end from um, – 1997 to 2000, not 2010. As my show notes say, that'd be a long college career. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, no, sorry. That's his NFL career. So I think he was – yes. So he was like at Ohio State from like 95, 93 to 96. Um, played with the Patriots, which I don't like. I don't um, like either. No, but he – he was uh, he was a defensive player, but they used him in short yardage situations right. as, as a, a tight uh, end. As a tight end, and yeah. He, he caught probably a handful of touchdown passes in his career. Yeah, he was the preamble to Gronk, really. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he was the uh, is currently now the coach of the Tennessee Titans. And famously said uh, in an interview that he'd be giving up, he'd be willing to give up one of his a part of him, a part of himself, <laughs> part of his anatomy, anatomy to win a <laughs> part Super of his Bowl. male anatomy. Yes. To, yes. Yes. But, I mean, the biggest thing to make note of here is that for a while he followed me on Twitter. Really? Yes. When was this? Uh, this was um, probably in like 20, 2013, 2012, 2013. And, and I think it was because I had, um, I had tweeted about uh, – so Luke Fickle. Current coach of the University of Cincinnati football team, mm-hmm. he was the interim uh, coach at Ohio State for a year. That didn't go well. I remember. Yeah, but when Urban Meyer started, he kept him as the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and he, he had a, a stretch where he struggled in there. And I, I I made some tweets where I think I used a hashtag Fire Fickle, and I think that's what got me on his radar because he and Luke <laughs> Fickle are buddies. So I think that's what got me on his radar of firing Fickle. He no Ooh. longer follows me on Twitter. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, you got? Do you have a uh, a preference here, Joe? Oh my! Um, I do like Mike Vrabel, but he did play for the Patriots. I know that's that's the hard part. Um, and he was in he was in a season with the Patriots where I was 
I think I was in high school uh-huh. and they were really good and winning all the yeah. time. And it just leaves a bad taste <laughs> in my mouth. Although I enjoy him as the coach of the Titans for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I would say DeMarcus Ware would be my choice. Okay. Yeah. See, the fact that Vrabel's a Buckeye is able to overcome the oh, have to kind of swallow hard with the fact that he played for the Patriots in the evil empire. Um, so you want to go with DeMarcus Ware. We could go with Charles Haley just to <laughs> – um, Yeah, we'll go with we'll go with DeMarcus Ware. OK. That's fine. That's fine. One thing you liked? Uh, this weekend, uh, my wife and I have an annual tradition of – I suppose two years. Um, where <laughs> I uh, say, when you say annual tradition, you mean we've done it twice. That's right. Um, my wife loves to apple pick. Uh, uh-huh. She likes to hold the little. Have you ever been apple picking? Long time ago. Okay, they hand you those big sticks with the hooks on the end yep. of them, where so you get the apples off. Um, she likes to load up the bags, and I'm like a pack mule, um, holding twenty five pounds of apples. What? What in the world are you going to do with all those apples? So we made cider yesterday. That's the one thing I liked. We, we made cider and cider is delicious. And you have what, like 23 pounds of apples still left over? Roughly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. OK. So probably some apple pies coming, some – Yeah, we might do some crisp here and there. We might do another thing, a cider. A good crisp is, is, is underrated, I think. Yeah. It's a good fall dessert, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to go with a podcast called The Dropout. It's covering the story of Elizabeth Holmes. So if you've not uh, followed her story in the news, she founded this medical testing company called Theranos Mm -hmm. where she raised billions of dollars, had all these high-profile things, and it was basically a fraud. She claimed she had a device that would be able to take a pinprick of blood and run like hundreds of tests, whereas nowadays – You need a full vial. A full vial of it. It's, you know, so she, uh, so I listened to this podcast. It came out with six episodes in 2019 and they've restarted new episodes because she is on, on trial right now. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty well done. She's fascinating. She, she thought of herself as the, as the next Steve Jobs and just, Wild. yeah. So, all right, we better wrap this up. We've got more to do this day. So. Let's see. We've uh, we've previewed your New York Knickerbockers a little bit. A little yeah. bit. We've uh, let's see. We talked parable of talents. I mm-hmm. enjoyed our discussion of that. We struggled to come up with an athlete. We essentially disagreed. We yeah, essentially. And I deferred to you, which is fine. Yeah. That's the hey. We want to try to be a model that we can yeah. disagree agreeably. Yeah. And there's give and take, <laughs> right? Just give and take. We're free speech advocates. That's here. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about John now being the owner of more apples than he will ever know what to do with. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And a podcast that I'm enjoying. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.